So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Raised in rural Georgia, Shauna Pilgreen now finds herself immersed daily in the reality of doing life in a global city. She and her husband, Ben, started Epic Church in the heart of San Francisco in 2010 and have been living sent ever since. Shauna is a coach, speaker, and writer to ministry families across the country. She is the mother of three boys and an adopted daughter from India. Learn more at www.shaunapilgreen.com. Without further ado, here's Shauna. Hey, Shauna. Hi, Rachel. (laughs) Thank you so much for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Uh, I first learned of your work through an interview you did with Ann Voskamp. And as soon as I heard your heart and the topic that you wrote about, I knew that I wanted to have you as a guest um, on this podcast. I'm so excited to hear your story and for listeners to hear your story. Absolutely. I enjoy telling it. Yeah. Well, your roots can be found in Texas, Georgia, Louisiana, Alabama, Missouri, and California. So no matter where you lived, you made it home as quick as possible to feel settled and sane. Would you share why you have moved so much first and then how you were able to make each place a home? Yes, that's quite a list of states right there. And yes. um <laughs> But I'm sure there are other people who feel like they live out of a suitcase because they pack up and move so much. And, you know, moves have this element of peace and this element of uncertainty. And even when we're certain that the move is right and that God is the one calling, it still can mess with our emotions and our daily circumstances will cause peace to come in the front door and even make it out of the back door really quick. Now, Georgia is where I grew up, and when Ben and I got married, we did seminary and our first two years of marriage in Texas, so that's two of the states. (laughs) Uh, From there, we moved to Louisiana for his first ministry job on the campus of Louisiana Tech in Ruston, and while we were there, we transitioned to a church role. We had our first son and had the joy of living close to his family. From there, we moved to Alabama, and it was a really exciting time as we were going to be working with college students through the local church right across the street from the University of Alabama. There, we had our next two sons, and we saw ministry grow in an unprecedented way. It was really remarkable. But then our next move to Missouri was for Ben to take a new role for him and for the church where he was going to step in as a teaching pastor under the lead pastor there. And this move was particularly hard as we were leaving a thriving ministry in Alabama and many friends, but this move just felt right for our family of five. And then I wasn't prepared for this, but shortly after we were unpacking boxes in Missouri um, and Ben was settling into this teaching pastor role, there was a stirring that began for something else. 
And at this point, um, I don't think we had completely unpacked. We still had some things in boxes because we had only gone into one season in Missouri. So I think I still had all the winter stuff packed up. But at this point, I was thinking, God, really, really, mm. we just got here. And I share this entire journey in my, in my book. But that stirring is what led us to California, where we've been for almost nine years now, which is half of our married life. And looking back, I know without a doubt that God moved us to every single place. And I can see reasons beyond just a ministry position or even raising our family. I see time well spent with Ben's mom before she passed when we were living in Texas. I see friends that we have met um, who would eventually come on our staff with us here in San Francisco. And I can see how my story is even encouraging others who are packing and unpacking, packing and unpacking and starting and starting over. (laughs) And I am the person where I, I crave stability, which I realize people are thinking really with all these moves, you crave stability, (laughs) but it is the truth. It is the truth. And that is what has caused me to make home a home as quick as possible. That's why setting up home right after we make a move is crucial. One of our family mottos we have is that everything has a home. Everything has a home. So while I'm often referencing baseball cleats and library books and hoodies that are just lying around, this also helps our mental space and our belonging. If we can feel grounded and established and connected in the home, it will go with us into the day at work and school and wherever we go. And I learn more with each move. I I learned to get kitchen set up first. I think we all know where the plates and the cups and the forks are. And then I get the kid room set up, then the family room and our bedroom is last. Although I do this at a rapid speed um, when it comes to getting this stuff set up. And I am not a home decor guru at the the least, Um, but I am learning that what we have in our home and what we keep in our home and how we decorate our home, it all tells a story of where we've been and what we like. And home has to be your touch for it to be a refuge for you and then for it to be a blessing to the other people um, that will step into your home. Yeah, absolutely. So your family currently lives in San Francisco. Yes. And like you just mentioned, you were not born there. You didn't go to school there, but God has called you there to start a church. And you say it's the hardest thing that you've ever done, but that the risk was worth it. Would you tell this part of your story with us? Sure, sure. Yes. So we do live in San Francisco and we moved out here to start a church from scratch. And uh, every part about it, when we we're saying yes to God and then making this move. Every part of it felt like stepping off of a cliff and into midair, not knowing if we would, what we would land on or how God would carry us. Um, so how's that for clarity and purpose, right? I think um, (laughs) all of us have probably done something risky with a prompting from the spirit of the living God. And it sounds crazy as we try to explain it and words fall short. But when you speak it to those who have done something similar, there's head nodding and there's big grins. And I even hope right now to the listeners who are on here with you and I, and some big grins as you're listening to this in the car or at home or at the gym today. Um, But for us, our story has taken us to San Francisco. And you may or may not know this, but this city has been called the graveyard for church plants for decades. No. Yes. No, I didn't know Well, that. so we knew, we knew this going into it. 
Um, and came anyway. Uh, we moved here in May. <laughs> yeah, that's came scary. Anyway. Right, right. Uh, so in May of 2010, we moved out here. And there are now, nine years later, there are now some strong um, church planting networks and organizations that were on the rise then when we moved out here. But for the most part, it was just us having conversations with people who knew of other people who were doing something like this in other parts of North America. But so we didn't have really a, a book or a set of guidelines on how to do this well. We moved out here with a team of 13. And not knowing anyone in the city, five of those 13 were um, kids and um, two other couples who moved out here with us that we did ministry with in Louisiana and Alabama. So see, God does have a purpose as he moves us around Mm. and who he puts in our path because they ended up moving out here to help us start the church. And so our plan was we were going to start a church in downtown San Francisco and thought it would be best to live in the same neighborhood where the church was going to be. So we moved here in May and we started making friends and inviting people over and getting to know, oh my goodness, we got to know the baristas and the postal workers and the concierge, everyone, because it's not that we're moving to a town and we're looking for a church to be a part of. We're moving to a town to start this church. So we needed people to come to the church. Mm -hmm. And in August, we began to host launch team meetings in our apartment and One Sunday a month from October through January, we would hold preview services at a hotel where we would set up and tear down. So for any of the listeners who are a part of Church Starts, you know what that set up and tear down process is like. And then February, that following February, we started weekly services. So um, like I said, we moved here not knowing anyone but our team. And we set out to make friends and learn a city that was completely different from any place we had ever lived. And we're still in that process of learning the culture and the city. And this uh, I'm learning requires a lot of humility and a lot of listening. And it brings about a lot of failures, but also a lot of successes. Yeah. Well, you say that you are discovering how to weave together faith and home. What does this look like in, in your life? Well, so when I think of home, the first image that pops up is family. So myself, my husband, and we have four kids. Now, we adopted a daughter from India once we moved to San Francisco. But for us, it looks a lot like hand-holding. And I am not referring to helicopter parenting in this situation, but I do believe hand-holding comes straight from where in Scripture it tells us about talking to our kids Um, as we sit at home, as we walk along the road, as we lie down, and as we get up. And in our church culture, we are there on Sundays as a family, but we are not there throughout the week at various activities. Again, if I could paint a picture, our church is in downtown San Francisco, where most people get there by foot, by bike, or by bus and train. So it's difficult to get downtown all the time to church. So faith is primarily lived out at home and as we go throughout the city. We pray every morning together on the way to school. We're always having afternoon conversations about what took place while we were all at our different schools and activities. And hand-holding to me, and I describe this in the book, it's a symbol that we're in this together. So when they're at school, we want our kids to know that we're praying and we're supporting their teachers and we're engaging with the parents of their classmates. And then when we're tucking our kids in every night, it's a hand-holding reminder that they're not alone. And when they're up against an issue, we bring it back 
to um, this, this balance or this understanding, maybe not balance, but this understanding that we do life God's way or we can do life man's way, but that we all have a choice as does everyone around us. And this really helps our kids know to go to scripture and go to God in prayer and come to us and mentors of theirs, because we really want our kids to own their faith, a faith in God and knowing that they're not alone as they navigate this crazy world. You know, I love that image of, of handholding. And I, when I think about home, I think of family too. And so just trying to marry those two together and like you described is, is beautiful. Um, many of us aren't where we thought we'd be or doing what we thought we'd be doing, but sometimes we may wonder if God knows what he's doing. So, and, and how that this can be part of his plan. So what would you say to women maybe feeling this way? Sure. Well, I would first say I've been there. (laughs) I've been there. I've at times feeling forgotten or feeling alone, um, spending your days as if it all depends on you and, and, and for what reason to wake up and have to do it all over again, or to feel like there's got to be more than this. I know from experience that we can let this mindset make us bitter or make us better. And we can muster up the prayer, um, even if it's just literally uttering these words of help Jesus or fill me with your Holy Spirit or whatever God have your way. Prayer is key. Prayer is key in the uncertain times. Prayer is key even when we feel like we're exactly what we're supposed to be. We have to tell God the truth of what we're feeling in our hearts. And we have to leave our desires and our frustrations with him. I think it's, we, we tell, hold it ourselves when in reality, God so much wants us just to be completely honest with what our desires and our frustrations are. Um, And in this case, particularly to where we're living and um, what we thought we would be doing or what we're not doing that we want to be doing. Uh, I love that the scripture just continues to tell us to keep knocking and to keep seeking and to, and to keep showing up. I had no idea when I was surrounded by, and our, our boys are, um, three of them are four years apart. And I had no idea when I was raising those littles in Alabama and my days felt so lonely. And um, while Ben was keeping late night hours doing college ministry, that we would one day start a church in downtown San Francisco and that I would live to even write a book about it <laughs> um, right. or that showing up to teach college girls on Sundays at that church would lead to some of those college students getting jobs here in San Francisco and being a part of our church. Um, I, I wrote a, a recent blog post about showing up and how showing up is like glitter. Um, sometimes, you know, I, glitter seems like it would just make an absolute mess if it gets out of the jar, right? It gets on our hands and it, it never comes off. But I, when I think of glitter and I just think of one speck and then showing up, putting another speck and another speck until it is a jar full and what that looks like. And just for the women to be reminded that we all need one another and God needs us right where he has us. And again, this glitter image, I just think that we need, God needs each other's glitter to what we can bring to the table and what we can bring to our communities and what we can bring to our families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you want to ensure that women 
you want to ensure women that God does have a plan and a purpose for them right where they are. And in fact, you believe that he sent them there. So why is it that you believe this? Absolutely. I do believe this and I believe it because we've seen it lived out um, just in our, in our very lives. We all have a part to play and it is specific to our own wiring and calling and giftedness and purpose. And Oh my goodness, I get so distracted with this very concept uh, myself, but I'm called to do what I can do, not what she or he can do, but I really have a part to play that's mind specific that God wants to, to use me for. And God takes what you're doing today right where you live, and he can take it places that you can't imagine. He can take... Um, that book that you're reading to your son at nap time and form an intellect in that child for future generations. And he can take that ongoing conversation that you have with your neighbor and turn it into a curiosity because they want to know where you're going every Sunday morning. I believe that if God has you where you are for reason A, that you can also believe that he's got you where you are for reasons B through Z. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of times we can get um, sidetrack thinking, surely there's more to this. And I think reality is there is more to this, but it does require that we play our part and not get sidetracked with what someone else is doing and wanting to play their part, but really staying in our lane and yeah. And continuing to show up and do what he's called us to do. Yeah. Well, you try to treat each day as a gift from God and embrace each friendship, each relationship, each moment woven together that this is, you say, this is your life. And while we are here on earth, we will live it to the fullest. So how do you maintain this mindset? (laughs) Well, I'll even pose this back to you as a question. You know, how do we get up and put our clothes on every day? Or how do you know to grab your coffee and wake the kids or check your email when your day starts off? It's things that become a habit. It's just a part of what you do. So I take this lifestyle of living scent and say, let's make it a habit. Let's make it a part of our days for that alarm clock of intentionality and purpose to go off every morning with a, I get to, I get to, I get to approach to my day. Only God can give us the eyes for this. I really believe that, you know, we ask God tells us to ask, to come to him and ask for what we need. And God is so generous and he is so good. So we take what we see. We take what we see around us with our neighbors and with our family and with our community. And we engage with what we see. And sometimes that engagement is intercession. Sometimes that engagement is talking about what we see with other people. Sometimes that engagement is looking for connecting points. But we can rest assured and relax that we do not have to beat ourselves up with what we don't see and with things that we can't fix. You know, as we are faithful to engage our cities, God seems to grow these eye muscles and expand our territory and give us more courage. You've stated that if today were your last day to live, that you'd live it right where you are and love and give every bit of you to everyone around you. Where does this sense of contentment and purpose come from? (laughs) Well, thank you for reminding me that I said this, Rachel. You know, um, I've lived in quite a few places, 
But the place I never want to live is where I think the grass is greener, yeah. right? I'm going to say yeah. that again. I, I don't want to live in that place where the grass is greener. If God has me here, why would I want to be anywhere mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we say we want to live and we want to be right in the center of God's will. Well, if the center of God's will has you in the town that you're living in, why would you want to live anywhere else? Now, I still very much fight comparison and comfort again with, well, it's prettier over there or it's warmer over there or they have better schools or you know, whatever the case may be, but I am learning a cool thing about longevity as we call this place home for nine years. You know, my favorite people are my family and our church community and the thousands who live around me that I get to love. Now, I sure do love visiting my extended family, um, most who live on the East Coast, and I, I have some favorite vacation spots, but that's not my real life. That's not my everyday. You know, I think about my mom fixing me breakfast while I'm sipping and drinking my coffee on her sofa and listening um, to the rain on the front porch of this island we love going to. Um, So don't get me wrong. That speaks rest and relaxation like nothing else. But right where God calls us is a legitimate place, and it is a geographical location, and it includes a people. And I have figured out that that's where contentment can be found. Mm, That is so good. So what practical tips would you share with us on how we can, I don't know, maybe just find this sense of contentment? (laughs) Well, this is extremely practical and this is what I'm learning to do. And that is to turn off social media, which for me is my comparison trap and to go for a stroll. It is a reset button for me. And, uh, and I'm not saying turn it off um, indefinitely, but sometimes it's, Hey, Saturday's going to be my day where I turn off and enjoy you know, more time with the family or whatever the case may be. But for me, it is, um, it's turning off social media and getting outside. Yeah. Well, we have sort of been alluding to this the entire conversation, but you have actually written a book <laughs> and it's called Love Where You Live, How to, to Live Scent in the Place That You Call Home. And as you've shared, your entire life has prepared you for this book. <laughs> so what is it? What I guess, what was the inspiration and why do you feel so passionate about writing this specific book? Yes. Well, I, I love telling my story, but this one's a really fun one to tell especially to those um, listeners who are writers and have dreams of writing a book. You know, I had written this book down for years in journals. Again, it's that behind the scenes in the dark things that we do with God. And that when I was in a conversation with a lady from Manhattan, actually at a writer's conference, I was just chatting about life in the city from the things that I was learning and discovering. And I had no idea at the time that this gal from Manhattan was an editor. Um, but as the conversation uh, got going, she wanted to talk more and I knew again, what God was doing in me, um, what God was doing in me behind the scenes, um, hidden in this global city of San Francisco. And of course I wanted others to see what we were seeing, but God took this conversation with this editor, um, this lady in Manhattan and made it into a book that really is my life, um, past, present, and future, where I just want to continue to encourage people with this concept that we can all live sent right where we are. And this is why ongoing conversations and stirrings from God are so important. 
because God is up to something and it might be years before he brings it to fruition. I want this for our city and I also want this for the church universal. Um, So for me, this isn't one book of many. This is a lifestyle that I want to keep in front of us. Mm -hmm. Well, you say that our efforts are never in vain. What makes that makes what makes you come to that conclusion? Rachel, I've just seen too much. I've seen too much to believe that this is not the case. We had a friend that FaceTimed us um, just the other night about a coworker of his who has shocked him and is going to church. His girlfriend is getting baptized and he is really considering putting his faith in Jesus. Um, And it's simply from our friend who just keeps showing up and loving well. And at times he'll share his thoughts with this coworker, but his actions are speaking. His efforts are not in vain. I'm thinking of another friend. Her name is Mary, and she was in a very dark place and was invited by one of her coworkers um, to come to church. And she would show up. She would come see, come even sit um, on the front row with us. And she kept showing up because people at church welcomed her, and it was evident that God was doing something in her. And Sunday after Sunday, she was just reaching out to God and has returned to her faith that she knew as a child growing up. You know, when, when Jesus is why you do what you do, how dare we think that, that we don't matter or that our efforts are in vain. We are seeing God do so much here in San Francisco because we refuse to live for ourselves and to know that he is the one who is working miracles and changing lives. So again, those things that we feel like, don't seem to matter or no one seems to notice God notices and God is doing something with those things and he's making something beautiful. Amen. Uh, On an Instagram post, you wrote that it's not all up to us. We do our part and God does his. He is so amazing. He takes what we do, kindness, love, sacrifice, obedience, the widow's might and the alabaster jar, what's done in secret and he multiplies it. And because of his great love and mercy, our world is touched. Every corner, alley, neglected and forgotten one is seen and touched and healed and helped. So don't give up. What you do today is important. Just watch. So for me, as the founder of The Love Offering, this post is speaking my (laughs) language. So what does this look like on a practical level for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll just even walk you through my day today. Okay, so it's beautiful. The sun is out, which we're so thankful for because we've had so much rain. But I'm probably going to see my neighbor who lives two doors down, who's a Christian, and will wave. And that will be a reminder for me and hopefully a reminder for him and his wife to pray for the neighbor that lives in between our houses. Because we so much want to know, uh, we want our neighbors to know that God loves them. And it's just been a prayer of ours as we've lived here in this particular house for four years. And then I'm going to walk to the train station and I'm going to go to our church and I'm going to see about a dozen or so women leave mom's group. And I know that they're all returning to their homes refreshed because they've been together and I had nothing to do with it except play this really small part nine years ago when I started the mom's group just after we started the church in my apartment downtown. But now it's in the hands of such strong and capable women in our church And then I'm going to be there to meet with two other women who have a gift for design and layout, and we're going to get things ready 
for Easter encounter, which is an experience, a prayer experience we do at our church um, on Holy Week, something that I can't do on my own and need their help. And then after that, I'm going to pick up two of my kids plus another so that his parents can enjoy a longer date day on Tuesdays. And then I'm going to go to Costco. Now, in my book, I refer to Costco as my garden. So you'll have to, to, to read that <laughs> yeah. to figure out why. Um, yeah. And then at Costco, I'm going to see familiar faces. Not because I live in a small town. I live in quite a big city. But these are the familiar faces that greet at the door and run the register and run the deli. But I'm at Costco so often that I know their names and I engage with them. And then later on, two of our boys are going to go to a baseball game and practice, and they're going to live scent in their circles that I won't even touch today. And then tonight, my husband and I are going to lead a small group at our church. We're going to be there to set up and to clean up, and we've been meeting for eight weeks. And so, you know, when you do things week after week, it gets tiring, but we're not going to give up. And all of these, all of these just little moments throughout the day seem like drops in the bucket. But when there drops in God's bucket, it ripples and waves and surges. And that's what I want to be caught up in. Mm, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, and I think what's resonating with me so much is, is that all of these are really simple things. You know, right. and I think sometimes we think, oh, this is just routine or ordinary. But God, it's God that makes every ounce of those extraordinary when we keep our focus on him. And I love that you're just picking up on all these simple day-to-day things that they do matter. And I think that's what we need to be reminded of. So good. Yeah. yeah. One of your quotes I love is this, is, may the story of our lives be worship in your eyes. So how do you live out this prayer? Yes. Well, this, um, this quote that you mentioned, it is an old Brooklyn Tabernacle song that has been my life, life anthem. I think I stumbled upon the song, oh my goodness, in the days of rocking my kids to sleep and, um, and just spoke volumes. I get teary-eyed every time I sing it. It is a passion for me. Um, but for you, if you would just think about maybe your favorite TV show. Um, my husband and I, we have three that we watch um, on a weekly basis. But if you think about your favorite TV show and how some episodes set the stage for the next episode, um, and you're thinking, oh, well, the next episode is going to have all the high drama in it, right? But this episode is important because it's setting the stage for what's going to happen next. And I think every moment of our life matters. It builds and it affects and it's crucial. So even these moments where it seems like it's just things are just getting set up and there's not a lot of high drama or a lot of fruit that we're seeing in something um, of our lives right now. We just need to be encouraged that what we are building and what we are doing is leading to something. And this something is always going to be worship to God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you have a seven day devotion on you version that listeners can participate in. What would listeners expect to experience when they download this plan? Oh, yeah. Up and running right now on you version and it's there for life. Um. I really hope that the plan mostly will whet your appetite for more of Jesus and give you more of a heart for your community. But then I hope it causes you to want to read more of the book. Um, It's seven days and so much of the book is, is packed into those. Um, But of course not enough of it can be, but I would also encourage, um, 
I would also encourage people to do it with their friends in town. So I don't know um, how, how you do your you version um, plans, but I've enjoyed where you can invite friends to do a you version plan with you. And I think this is a wonderful way to partner up with, with friends in your community, go through this study together uh, in seven days. Yeah, actually, um, I, I think I've shared this before in one of my other episodes, but our Sunday school class actually does you um, versions and we share as a Sunday school class, you know, we're all oh. friends. And, and so we do. So I'm going to suggest that we do yours. Um, it, we always, you know, choose a, a new devotion every month or so. And so this would be perfect for us to do as well. That's great. I love that idea. That's great. One of the uh, other resources that you offer that I love is a 31 day prayer calendar to help women grow, to love the place that they are in. And I think that prayer is so important. So how has prayer impacted you in each new place that you called home? Yes. So I, um, I actually have the prayer calendar up on my, on my blog and it's an, it's an easy download, but you're right. Prayer, prayer is key. And the keys do, but they unlock. And for so long, prayer was simply optional on my faith journey, but prayer has become essential. And scripture says to pray without ceasing. And, um, that's what it's supposed to be. This ongoing conversation that we have with God and God wants good for you right where you live. And God is the one who gives us a heart for where we live. So if God wants good for us and God gives us a heart for this place, then we must ask him for those things. At the end of each episode, I always ask my guests the same question. So as someone who shares this passion for giving and also encourages others to love well, is there someone who has been an extraordinary giver in your life? Absolutely. And I do think of a bunch of, of people have, but the person that comes to the front of my mind is my mom. Um, her birthday was just on Sunday and she loves listening to podcasts. So I'm going to send her this one. So happy birthday, mom. Um, but I write about my mom in the very beginning of the book because my mom is the one who taught me how to live sent. Now she's a number two helper on the Enneagram. Uh, and my life is better for it, but she really is the one who helped me understand that people matter. Um, and she would go to extremes to pick us up from school and take us to places where we can minister to the people at the nursing home and practice our piano lessons there to driving to the other side of town where no one was going. So it's definitely my mom. Well, how can listeners keep in contact with you? I know that they're going to be interested in um, getting some of these resources and your book. So what's the best way that they can do that? Sure. So uh, two ways. I would say you can go to my, my website, which is shaunapilgrain.com, and I have lots of resources and, and blog weekly there, and there's a way to reach out to me on the Connect page. And then I'm also at shaunapilgrain on Instagram, and I love engaging, engaging with people there. You have a small group curriculum coming late spring and early summer. Um, so I'm interested in hearing more about that as well. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's been really neat as people are getting into the book, they're wanting to do it with their churches. And so I'm working on that once we get through Easter and my editor and her team are going to help me with it. And um, this is my way of serving the church. And I'm praying that God will use the study to challenge churches to set out the largest 
welcome mats in town. So that's kind of the drive. And I hope that um, even gets you interested to download the small group curriculum, but it will be downloadable on the website hopefully um, yeah, this summer. I love that. I love that idea. Well, Shauna, thank you for being my guest today. I, I love your heart to love others well, wherever you are. And thank you for inspiring and encouraging us to do the same. God bless you. Thank you, Rachel. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the Love Offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.